0: It's Friday, August 14th, 2020, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rawlerson. The COVID-19 pandemic has given us a new perspective on a lot of things we're used to taking for granted. Mobility is one. If you're lucky enough to have access to transportation, for the most part, yes, you can still get where you need to go. But it's not so straightforward as it once was. But with travel restrictions, quarantine orders, social distancing, and the closure of many public venues, it's not as simple as it used to be to just get in the car on a whim and be on your way. And if you've been mostly confined to your home for the past few months, you may also have a new appreciation for the simple fact that human beings need space and the means to safely traverse it. Well, in that respect, we're no different from any other animal. In fact, for most creatures, the ability to freely move around in pursuit of food, water, and shelter is a matter of survival. And for decades, that ability has been steadily diminished by human activity. Not only does development reduce the amount of land available for wildlife habitat, it also impedes migration between habitats. In effect, carving up the landscape into small islands that animals can't leave, at least not without endangering themselves or, potentially, people that they might encounter. And as climate change pushes species into new areas, it's only going to get worse. A resolution before the Pennsylvania General Assembly calls on the state to think proactively about the problem of habitat fragmentation and to support the development of wildlife corridors that animals can use to get from A to B safely without ending up on the wrong side of someone's windshield. Well, the Endangered Species Coalition is a national nonprofit that's leading the push for wildlife corridors in Pennsylvania and across the nation. Leah Cheek is its National Director of Field Campaigns and one of two guests here to educate us on the subject today. Volunteer Jason Beal is another. He's part of the effort in central Pennsylvania by way of his day job at the Penn State Shavers Creek Environmental Center. Leah, Jason, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here, Josh. We're, We're happy to be invited. Could you start
0: off by kind of explaining the the state of habitat generally for wildlife in this country, in this region, and habitat fragmentation specifically?
1: Sure, yeah. So um, we're here to talk today about wildlife quarters, which is this idea of creating tracts of land that wildlife can move across to mate with one another, to access new food sources, and to migrate. And the reason we need wildlife quarters is because, as you say, Josh, habitat fragmentation is a really big problem in this country. I'm really glad that you asked this question because um, I think it speaks to how deeply fragmentation is connected to a lot of the issues that face endangered wildlife. Uh, generally, you know, scientists and people who work on endangered wildlife agree that the top threats to wildlife are, are over exploitation, loss of habitat, invasive species and climate change. And fragmentation, which is the splitting up of habitats um, due to development or roads, has an impact on each of these threats to endangered species. So, for example, urban sprawl and development of wild areas will reduce habitat for wildlife. So, that's the one big threat. Exploitation of species or overconsumption happens with wildlife trade in Pennsylvania, bog turtles. Um, are often taken for pet trade, so we can see the impacts of exploitation there. And habitat fragmentation allows people to get into those areas and access the species more easily. And then climate change as well. You know, as we see the climate increase, species are going to need to migrate further northward. And so having those roads in place or towns or cities developed are going to make it much more difficult for species to adapt, adapt and adjust.
0: So explain a little bit more the concept then of the wildlife corridor or the conservation corridor. What is this? What what does it look like? And where could I go to see one today if I wanted to learn more?
2: I guess I can start with where you go to see one. Um, So in Pennsylvania, we don't have defined corridors per se, but because of our unique geology with our ridge and valleys, uh, we do have these de facto corridors basically that run throughout the state uh, from the northeast to the southwest. And uh, not surprisingly, because of the rugged nature of these, they tend to be pretty well forested. uh, Very often, Uh, they might be intersected by streams and rivers. And so those areas uh, serve as very functional quarters. Some of them have like the Appalachian Trail on them uh, or might have hawk watches. Um, uh, But those are important areas that we do have in the state that are existing and people can access.
0: Jason, could you tell me a little bit about where you live and and what you do and the work that you do with the Endangered Species Coalition?
2: Sure. Uh, I live in central Pennsylvania in Pine Grove Mills. I actually work uh, for Penn State at Shaver's Creek Environmental Center Uh, as my day job, and I manage the Native Wildlife Zoo, which features a lot of raptors and amphibians and reptiles, and just like we talked about, the migration quarters on the ridges relates to the raptors. but uh, with breeding pools, um, with uh, for a lot of these amphibians and reptiles that have to migrate from one feeding area to a breeding area, roads, fragmentation again, are a major risk. And so quarters can really help those species as well. So it relates really strongly to the work that I've been doing with the Endangered Species uh, Coalition. And uh, really the goal here is to, number one, create awareness, get people involved in the process, and then leading towards some action, uh, reaching out to, at this point, connect our representatives and let them know that you're interested in supporting this idea.
0: So what, what can you tell us about what you're seeing in your area and maybe a little bit further beyond across the state? What, what is the state of our wildlife habitat right now in Pennsylvania?
2: So uh, we are a really important state for wildlife habitat. Uh, Pennsylvania is fifty-eight percent forested, um, and so we have the largest blocks of forest uh, from New York City to uh, Denver. And you know, it makes sense when you look at a map. But when you think about it, really kind of adds a whole new perspective. And Penn State is the keystone state. You think about New York and New England, kind of above us uh, to the northeast, and then obviously you know with Maryland and, and Delaware and Virginia below us and the estuaries and things there. We're really of at that nexus of these uh, southern species which are moving north as well as these northern migration areas Um, in the state there's been a lot of positive trends um, since i've been here uh, as a student here about 20 years ago we are seeing improvement in a lot of forestry habitats less clear cutting uh, less high grading which is taking the prime timber and there's more of an acknowledgement that forests are you know more than timber that there's a lot of wildlife aspect and especially as we cue into uh, the economic impacts of outdoor recreation and, and wildlife observation, it really uh, puts a new focus on that. So we're seeing increased effort in increasing young forest habitat. Uh, Forests of all ages are needed to support the species in Pennsylvania, such as the Golden Winged Warbler, which is a fairly rare neotropical migrant, which here in right where I live in central Pennsylvania is one of its strongholds in, in the country and in the world, really. Um, but we've done some great work, like reintroducing the otter uh, and the, the fissure, but there's a lot of work to do. We still have an incomplete fauna, and once again, uh, being that keystone state between uh, New England and the southern and midwestern states, uh, we have a great role to play in, in preserving and increasing the biodiversity.
0: So you said there are kind of de facto wildlife corridors extant in Pennsylvania right now. What are the most important ones of those to the extent that they are defined routes, um, and what are they dealing with in terms of threats? How are they being disrupted or potentially disrupted by development or other forces?
2: Yeah, good question. So what kind of the classic example of kind of an existing wildlife corridor would be the Kittatinny Ridge, and that's really the first mountain ridge in the ridge and valleys if you're coming up from the south. And so if you think about a migrating Raptor uh, in, in the fall, heading south, uh, basically this is the last ridge they're gonna hit. Those updrafts essentially create free migration uh, energy. And so they'll work, work along that. Uh, and so we're doing uh, actually watch surveys here in the area to figure out which ridges are used the most. Are, are there certain ridges that are ignored? Are there certain ridges that are favored? And that can really help to address some of the uh, concerns that are coming up. So wind power, you know, obviously a green type of power, in the wrong place, can kill you know thousands of raptors or bats uh, or other species, um, and so we want to be very conscientious about you know where these animals are using these uh, quarters, and then certainly prioritizing and protecting the ones that seem to be the most important.
0: And it seems like that would be all the more important to know as we look ahead to effects of climate change that are already upon us what do we know about that right now what can we expect to happen to migration patterns or other things that that you all are concerned about as a result of a changing climate
1: so i think you know as we know as climate changes the earth will warm and as areas and ecosystems get warmer plants animals alike will need to try and move northward to cooler climates to adjust to that temperature change and is already seeing some of that happen in terms of some of the forest composition in the state. A lot of the Northern boreal species of tree are declining and we're seeing more, you know, Southern common species of tree increase in the state. So there's well, there will be a whole shift in the ecosystem, the species that rely on those trees, et cetera, and onwards. So, so we will see a lot of species need to move northward um and that's one of the reasons that creating corridors will be so important we need to create pathways for species to be able to make that adaptation and change you know one of the problems with climate change is how quickly it's happening we need to do whatever we can to give species the ability to adapt to that change as easily as possible and um i'll also say you know like as jason mentioned that kittatinny ridge and these mountainous areas will become more important as well that's another Another way for species to kind of move to cooler places is to move upwards, so um, it will be really important to protect the existing corridors we have and also identify new corridors and, and ways that we can protect and support species and their migration northwards.
0: So one would hope that we don't have to, like, make the moral case for why it's a good idea to try and save endangered species. I, hopefully most of us are on the same page with that. But, you know, in case, in case there are other people that need to look at this from a different angle, I think it's worth pointing out there are human costs associated with, you know, wildlife being limited in their ability to move freely about. And not all of them are, are super obvious, but I, you you guys have flagged some of these issues. Could you talk about what you see as the potential or, or existing human costs of degraded wildlife corridors in Pennsylvania,
1: yeah, definitely, and that's actually one of the reasons I really love working on this issue of connectivity and corridors because it's really very well rounded. It impacts a lot of a lot of things that perhaps you don't think about, but um, the biggest one, I think, is that you know right now Pennsylvania ranks as number one in the entire country for incidences of wildlife vehicle collisions. So I'm sure a lot of people who are listening may have had a close call or even hit deer on the road. Um, and that can not only be incredibly scary, but um, really dangerous to people. And of course, to wildlife, it's also incredibly costly. Um, in the US, more than 200 people die per year from wildlife vehicle collisions and cost Americans more than $8 billion each year. So there's this economic argument for, for really making an effort to create pathways for wildlife to sort of cross through our spaces safely. Another, another example of that is actually um, really relevant right now, but centers around zoonotic diseases. So diseases that are spread through contact between humans and animals and wildlife, right? COVID-19 is one of those diseases. Lyme disease is another, another one of those diseases. And there's a lot of cases of Lyme disease here in Pennsylvania. So when we experience more fragmentation, we increase the risk that we'll have these encounters with animals, and that diseases will jump and spread, um, as well as creating like the kind of habitat where Lyme disease tick species can flourish and more easily spread. So there's a lot of benefits to to really thinking about creating these spaces and tracts of land for wildlife.
0: Yeah, and certainly there's a there's an economic impact on tourism and outdoor recreation, which is which is a huge and often overlooked industry in Pennsylvania, and the list goes on. So when we look at what to do about all of this, there is a resolution before the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, or or, or perhaps will be soon, uh, HR six seventy. Tell me about what's in this resolution, what it would do, and kind of where it sits right now as we record in the late July.
1: Yeah, absolutely. HR 670 is introduced into the house assembly and it's been assigned to the tourism and recreation committee because as you say Josh there are a lot of really important outdoor recreation impacts um, for wildlife quarters as well but this resolution um, is really simple and sort of an easily digestible first step to trying to um, identify these wildlife quarters and that is to conduct a study so the resolution directs um a study to be conducted of where habitat corridors currently exist, where they can exist, where wildlife vehicle collision hotspots are occurring so that we can address those and also really identifying and spelling out what the benefits for Pennsylvania would be if we were to go ahead and establish some of these wildlife corridors. So that's our first step. Let's figure out where these important corridors are and really put that down on paper so that we can work on talking about how to protect them
0: and this would be part of a process that would continue hopefully if if the resolution is approved what we'll be looking to the state to do next on this issue
1: yeah so the state ideally is the state is actually doing quite a lot of work already on habitat quarters and connectivity um in terms of i think the state could probably use more resources to (laughs) to continue to do that work um but I think that the next step of this resolution is the state will cooperate with the assembly themselves to, to really put all the information they've gathered, all the work they've done together in one place, um, and hopefully come up with a comprehensive plan of like, where to address in terms of corridors and how to address them. Um, I also wanna say you know, that this issue of conservation corridors is really um, a bipartisan one, which has been super exciting in many states across the country and in Pennsylvania. You know, we have bipartisan co-sponsorship of the resolution, and it's something that everyone cares about. So,
0: This seems like something that, yeah, regardless of whether you're an environmentalist or a hunter or angler or just somebody that likes to be outdoors, you should be behind this. Absolutely. One area I kind of want to explore a little bit, because Peck does a lot of work in outdoor recreation. We have this sort of philosophy that getting people outside, you know, is just intrinsically good for them. But it also tends to make people a little more conscious and maybe a little more inclined to be involved in, you know, doing what they can to protect and preserve and uh, advocate for public outdoor space. And this seems like one of those places where there is a natural kind of synergy. And I'm curious what you would say about, you know, the, the prospect of Developing things like trails, greenways, in conjunction with wildlife corridors—is there, is there a way that you can improve connectivity for people and for animals all at the same time, and, and get uh, even more benefit?
2: Yeah, uh, that's definitely one of the big focuses here. And so, some good examples of how this is already working—the uh, Appalachian Trail is, you know, one of the best examples of you know conservation corridors connecting people to the land, and uh, you know, every year, you know, thousands of people, uh, you know, are, are taking advantage of that. And once again, uh, if they're just day hikers and things, they may also be taking advantages of businesses in the area, so that can help support those local communities. Uh, But we're also seeing, um, here in my area, the Great Eastern Trail, which is kind of an alternative to the Appalachian Trail uh, that's just uh, a bit to the west, is now forming. Uh, The Mid-State Trail, um, the North Country Trail runs through Pennsylvania, and so these are all opportunities to really connect people to the land, but uh, on the aquatic side, rivers and streams, uh, are very, very important as well. And as a paddler myself, um, I really seek out areas where I know I'm going to have, uh, you know, beautiful scenery. So protected riparian quarters on the side of the stream, uh, you know, healthy waterways. And then of course that, you know, improves the quality for, of the wildlife there for people that like to you know, do recreation there. So that's a big one. But uh, the other thing is intact quarters preserve habitat, and we have a lot of unique species here in Pennsylvania, and bird watching in general, wildlife watching in the country, is about a $17.9 billion industry. Uh, Here in Pennsylvania, we had a unique oriole show up uh, a couple years ago, uh, and that brought in $223,000 to Bucks County from the people that went in to see that bird, then stayed at hotels and ate at the restaurant. Now that was a rare bird from out of state, but the bottom line is we have 26 species of warblers, which are these neotropical birds, which uh, are known as the butterflies of the bird world. They're beautiful. And Pennsylvania is one of the best places to see them in in healthy breeding habitat. And so uh, it can really be a great way to connect people to the land with a healthy ecosystem.
0: So you're saying this, the state is, is doing good work on this already, and now there's a resolution before the legislature that would encourage it uh, you know, to, to go a, a step further. What can people who are listening to this right now, just people across Pennsylvania, do to, to be part of this to encourage the legislature in this direction and support, support wildlife corridors generally?
2: I think the first part is you know educate yourself. So you know starting right here, listen to podcast and reading. Uh, but if you go to endangered.org, uh, you can look up uh, wildlife quarters in Pennsylvania and learn more about participating. Uh, every week we are uh, meeting uh, Wednesday nights uh, from seven to eight p.m. on the team uh, to get together to talk about our action items and our successes and the next steps. Uh, we're also encouraging folks to reach out to your local representative, uh, both on the phone and writing a letter to let them know that uh, this issue is important to you, um, that the benefits go beyond wildlife. You know, there's, uh, like say, the triple bottom line, it's ecological. Uh, it's social and it's economical when all these come together. And then share it with your neighbors. The more the folks in your social network are aware of this, so if you can share some of these links on Facebook or just uh, whatever conversation you're having, raise that awareness and get people to appreciate wildlife corridors and then encourage them to act on them. Endangered.org would be the starting place.
0: All right, Jason Beal and Leah Cheek on behalf of the Endangered Species Coalition, thank you so much for uh, being my guests on Pennsylvania Legacies today. Thank Thank you very
2: much. Great to be here.
0: By the way, PEC is one of many organizations that have signed a letter in support of wildlife corridors in Pennsylvania. You can learn more about House Resolution 670 via the bill tracker at pecpa.org, where you can keep tabs on all kinds of legislation and policy proposals in the state capitol. You can also look up the Endangered Species Coalition website at endangered.org. Look for links in the episode description for this latest installment of the Pennsylvania Legacies podcast. You can listen to all of our past episodes online at pecpa.org, and we encourage you to subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Leave us a rating and review if you do. For the Pennsylvania
2: Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson, and thanks for listening.